Okay, there you go. It is Open Phones. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever might be on your mind this morning, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to talk about the uh, the, the alleged Chinese spy balloon or the wayward Chinese weather balloon that just kind of got mm. away from them, uh, you can talk about that, whatever might be on your mind this morning. So... Maybe, yeah, I figured we'd have more calls about the <laughs> the dangerous balloon across our skies. Yeah, no. Well, no, but the problem is we, 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 we couldn't see it from here. Uh, right. So you kind of had to be in the Billings area, you know, where all those nuclear missiles are. Oh, there so, you go. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't think we have any nuclear missiles here in western Montana. Uh, Great Falls, uh, that's oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. Got, got, got Great Falls yeah, at Malmstrom. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. So what? Uh, what's on? What's going on in your world, ladies and gentlemen? We have open phones here about the next so fifteen minutes or so, and then we'll be busy checking in with uh, with Kirsten Pabst, our county attorney. We also oh, we're not. She's at nine. She's going to call in at nine thirty. So we have enough time with the Department of Commerce people. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So look, but looking ahead, we are, are going to be visiting with Scott Osterman, who is the director of the Montana Department of Commerce. Cheryl Cohen. A division administrator for the Montana Housing Division. They're going to be here in the studio. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things happening. I mean, housing is a huge issue around Western Mont- or around all of Montana. And the Housing Task Force has wrapped up its work, and we, we might be able to get an update on that as well. That'd so, be great. Yeah. So what's on your mind out there this morning, ladies and gentlemen? Do, 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 <laughs> do, 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 do. I mean, I would be happy... Uh, as Nick knows, I have my drumsticks <laughs> right. out in my car. I really do. In case I come, I come across a random, you know, drum set in the middle of the street, I have my, my sticks all ready to go. So, <laughs> so I could I could I could oh, play boy, I could play a drum goes. solo on, on the counter here. Or, <laughs> anyway. Right. I'm trying to look into some of the Oh, how so, how how about the story we did about the, the lights on the Reserve Street Bridge? Because you yeah, brought that up. Go. Yeah, no, I I, I told you I my grandma's been asking me about that for the longest time. And right. I was just curious, you know, now that I've been driving it more and more often, you know, it's pretty dark on that bridge and especially when, you know, you get some snow and then you know, the gets packed down and then you end up with black ice and right. such so just you know, you you kinda Grip the wheel a little tighter and make sure that you know you can really see where you're going. But yeah, you uh, you got some answers on why there isn't or why there aren't lights right. on that bridge. Yeah, and for those of you who are really old mm-hmm. like me, who remember uh, back when the Reserve Street Bridge was first, the first section of the Reserve Street Bridge was crossing the river. There weren't any roads leading up to it. It was is quite literally called the bridge to nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the Department of Transportation and the state of Montana and Missoula County and all the folks back then put that bridge there because they knew that the uh, the, the area of North Missoula it was going to ex- grow and expand, and they needed to have that that arterial leading back and forth. And sure enough, it it certainly did. And, but when they first built the bridge, okay, mm-hmm. it was just that one span right across the river, uh, and uh, it, there it was really not that much out there. I mean, there was Elmar Estates and, and that sort of thing, mm. but um, it was considered to be a rural bridge. Mm-hmm. And the one thing you don't do is you don't light a rural bridge. <laughs> right. And then when they expanded it in the, in the in the '90s. Uh, they wanted to make it exactly the same as the as the other one was, because you know, they, they were attached. Uh, they they consider that a rural bridge as well. So that's why um, there were no lights on the Reserve Street Bridge. But the biggest reason I had a chance to visit with uh, the gal from uh, from the Department of Transportation, the biggest reason was 
there are really, and think about this, all the times you drive across the Reserve Street Bridge, you really don't see that many pedestrians on the, on the Reserve Street Bridge. A lot of bicyclists, because that's much safer for them, uh, but not very many pedestrians. And really, if you're going to have lights, it's going to be because of a number of pedestrians. Oh, the Orange Street Bridge, I believe the Madison Street Bridge, they're all lit, correct? Right? I believe so. I'm sorry, yeah. Because, because there are a lot of, uh, of pedestrians on those bridges. So so now you know. <laughs> well, and, and then they say that it would just it would cost just way too much money yeah. to where it just doesn't make sense financially. Right. If, right? If, if we wanted to do it right now, she said, if we wanted to add lights right now, it would be anywhere from 500000 to $750,000 uh, to put the lights on the Reserve Street Bridge. And since we haven't had them, since the 1970s, uh, why go to the expense if we really don't need them? Right. Okay. I don't want them that bad. Let's put it that way. If okay. it's going to cost that much money, but it would be nice to have some some light on that bridge. But maybe someday. Who knows? Okay. Let's uh, let's get Dave on the line. Dave. Good morning. Thanks for calling Talkback. Hi. Good morning. About that Reserve Street Bridge, I, I've always had a gripe about it. I always thought it was designed wrong. It's it's kind of designed to where the water running off runs to the middle of it in places, and it's, it's really oh. odd the way they designed that bridge. So, you know, I really hadn't noticed that, to be honest with you. Uh, so what, was it just a design flaw, you think, or, or what? I think so. I mean, usually when you go around a corner, the bridge is, or anything is, is angled up, and, and the water on the high side runs down to the the bottom side but but that bridge both lanes at one point point into each other and it's it's just an odd design bridge and i i've always wondered why they did that i wouldn't give it an a for design okay well uh the next time we have one of the folks from the department of transportation on you can call and talk to them about it how's that well, it's an old bridge. I'm sure <laughs> they weren't around when it was designed. So yeah, well, they'll say, well, it was someone else who did it. And it at, just bothered me that it was just a, a bad design bridge. And it could be that it could be that part of the bridge has settled, right? Uh, it's possible. It shouldn't. It shouldn't settle that much. But what, one, one would think. All right. Thank, thanks, Dave. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. All right, 721-1290 is our number. Uh, let's take a break here real quick, and we'll get to Brian's call. Uh, and the phone, we, have, we have open phones for the next eight minutes, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be right back after this timeout. Okay, we are back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. Let's get right to the phones. And uh, Brian has been waiting the longest. Brian, good morning, and thanks for holding. You're on TalkBack. Hi. Morning. Morning, Peter. I felt bad for you there, so I thought I'd call. I didn't want to be all alone. <laughs> well, but I, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't resorted to singing yet. But that, 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 that's the bottom of the barrel, though. So, yeah. So I guess, I guess I picked a, a topic, which was years ago, not too many years ago. I looked up the city council, all of them. Did you do what I saw was there wasn't a single one of them who ever had any real jobs with any real consequences to their decisions. But now somehow, and I think all but one had moved here from the West Coast, but now somehow they think they're qualified to run a city. So I liken them to board housewives. So do any of them have any real job experience? 
well, you know of. Well, real I, job. I, like, I know that John Contos owns a carpet fine. cleaning company. Yeah, right? John, John Contos, uh, as sure Nick said, else. owns a carpet cleaning company. Sandra Vasica. I know that she has been involved in 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 working around Missoula. I don't know the other city well, councilors very now, well, so yeah, go ahead. Well, her her I like right, but the other ones that I kind of don't like. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about jobs where if you screw up, you're fired, right? Real responsibility. I mean, now no offense to the other guy, but cleaning carpets is not a I screwed up, I'm fired. Well, not when he owns the company. So, well, for sure, right? Maybe he's just going to go on vacation. But I don't understand how they come here and they take everything that was nice that made them come here and try to turn it into their next failed utopia, like Seattle or Portland or Los Angeles. And I can only imagine it's because they really have no experience. Well, well, well let, 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 let's let's get down to the real nitty gritty here. I knew okay. you were going to do this. The, the, these, these are elected <laughs> positions. And so when the, the well, re- the, well hold on, let, let me let let me, let me just Sorry. let me just make my point here, okay? And then you can go ahead. Uh, when 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 the there are two there are two city councilors for every ward, and when and they they alternate every two years uh, with with elections. What what I think you should do is when it, the time comes for someone in your ward to run, either a you should run or find someone who agrees with your philosophy and support them so that you can be we, you can begin to get more people on the council who would agree with what you think. So d- does that make sense? Well I, I, well, I agree with you. And, and actually, it was kind of funny. My wife, she's like, I told her, I was like, I'm going to run for mayor because this is nonsense. <laughs> Go for it, man. All these people. You, you can talk to anybody and you're like, hey, did you vote for Angan? They're like, no. Okay, so that's zero out of 10,000 people I asked. But anyhow, I live in the city, so I can't vote for him, or I can't run for mayor. Okay. Or I live in the county. Okay, all right. I live in the county. So it just, uh, but anyhow, I guess <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand these people. Like me and my buddies, we're all engineers, right? We're all too busy trying to make a living to go run for office. So I... we assume that everybody who has any real common sense is too busy trying to make a living. To well, go play government official. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Thanks for that sentiment. And uh, hopefully uh, you can run for office someday. All right. Uh, this is Jerry. Jerry, you're on Talkback. Hi. Hey, thank you. And you people opened up a, a, a very interesting product question of why there are no lights on uh, the Reserve Street Bridge. Yes, sir. And it kind of ties back into your last caller is maybe because the people that are voting for that don't really have the experience where they really need to put the money. Now, I was on the council for eight years. I was an architect for 40 years. I tried to make a living and be on council at the same time, and not everybody appreciated that. But here's, here's my solution. Why can't we take some of the millions of dollars they're going to spend on redoing um, Higgins Avenue to make it, quote, safer, and take that money and put it into more lights on the Reserve Street Bridge where it will do some really good work. And that's only 700000 That's a drop in the bucket compared to what they're going to spend on upgrading the South Higgins Avenue. What's your comment? 
Well, uh, th- th- this is a time for your comment, Jerry. And uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time for this segment, and we have guests coming up in the nine o'clock hour. But hey, uh, I'm we, with you, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you. we. we the, the, this is what this program is all about for you guys to get your, your thoughts out there and for others to either agree or disagree. Thank you very much. You heard my thoughts. All right. I'm going to I oppose putting any more money into Higgins because it really isn't broke. Why fix it yeah. if it isn't truly broke? We got a broke bridge out at uh, Reserve Street. We need to fix that first. Well, now the vote was 10 to 2, and uh, the two who uh, who voted no were the two we just mentioned, John Kondos and Sandra Vasica. So, uh, but right. all... the rest of them don't really have any big jobs like I did. <laughs> You know, I, I'm Thank not you. that I'm not that familiar Thanks, with, with with the makeup of the city council right now. So, anyway, uh, thank you all so much for your calls uh, for open phones. We are going to take a break here, and we have special guests coming into the studio. We have Cheryl Cohen, as division administrator for the Montana Housing Division, and Scott Osterman, who's the director of Montana Department of Commerce. They're both going to be here talking about uh, housing in Missoula, and we definitely want to visit with them. So they're coming up right after the top of the hour break. Hey, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. This is hour number two of Talkback, and Talkback is brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, where they offer residential and commercial cleaning, and no job is too big or too small for Phillips. So give them a call, get a free estimate at 406-260-6617. Also brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery, with authentic New York bagels and pastries coming all the way from Little Italy on a daily basis can be found in Missoula, Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery, located on North Reserve. And we are thrilled and and delighted and privileged to have with us in this morning a couple of very important folks in, in what's going on in the state of Montana right now. Uh, talk back. Uh, glad to welcome uh, Mr. Scott Osterman, Director of the Montana Department of Commerce. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Peter. Good to have you. And uh, both of you, I've, I've spoken to on the phone, but haven't had a chance to meet you. So uh, also Cheryl Cohen is joining us. She's the Division Administrator for the Montana Housing Division. All right. So welcome. Welcome to both of you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, about the Montana Emergency Rental Assistance Program. That's one of the reasons you wanted to be here. We did a story about it a couple of weeks ago, but what are the updates? Tell us, first of all, what is it and what's happening? Yeah, so the Montana Emergency Rental Assistance Program came out of um, the, the COVID pandemic uh, as, a, as a rental assistance for those people, especially that were hit by not able, being able to work, et cetera. And so... That uh, started in the spring of or winter of 2021, and uh, and has gone through two iterations called Mira. We call it Mira One and Mira Two, and that was uh, we were one of the first states, if not the first state, to actually get money out into the field. Uh, I challenged Cheryl with the opportunity to do it so that somebody could apply uh, for uh, rental assistance on the phone, you know, with two or three or four screens at the very most mm-hmm. and make it right. easy. And uh, I think we accomplished that. But um, as people have maybe heard this saying, nothing is as permanent as a temporary government program. And now we're winding down to the end and uh, seeing seeing where we're, we're headed. We paused uh, taking applications. Uh, we're one of only 20% of the states that are still actually um, using the Merrick program and putting money out. And so now we're coming to that end to project, okay, at some point in time, it, the, the money will be expended. And, now, th- th- uh, this, is, this is federal money, right? Yes, it's okay. federal money. Right, yeah. okay. And so at that, at that point, then obviously the program would end. So we're just trying to make sure we just don't drop people off of the cliff. 
Okay, so Cheryl, your, your, your thoughts, your comments on this. Well, certainly we just want to share the success of the MIRA program. When we originally designed the program, we had estimated we would be able to serve about 7,850 Montanans based on the federal il- eligibility of the program. Um, and we thought also our assumption was then we'd be able to uh, disperse about $44 million. And the MIRA program has uh, exceeded our expectations on both fronts. We've now served 12,900 families with over $114 million of assistance. And this was a program with with no infrastructure that we launched in just 99 days following the federal legislation being signed into law. So you guys are right on top of it. Uh, And and the nice thing about, of course, Montana, we have uh, right around a million people. So we don't have the the, the numbers they say New York or Illinois or California have, that sort of thing, and, and the, the monstrous sort of, you know, uh, infrastructure that would take. Here in Montana, it was pretty lean and mean? It was certainly a lean and mean program. Um, we employed about 25 staff that we onboarded. Um, we used a, an online application platform to make it as simple and expedient as possible. Um, and we were also responsible stewards of these funds. We prevented over $48 million of potentially fraudulent applications from being funded. Um, so we're very proud of our efforts in this area. That's very important because, uh, unfortunately, when, when you have a government program like this, uh, sometimes corruption can be rife, right? Right. And uh, everybody's going to try to get in there and get free money if, if they can possibly. What were the mechanisms, mechanisms that you used to be able to, you know, uh, uh, filter out the folks who were not really eligible for this? I'd love to tell you that, but we can, we're not going to educate the public on how to do that. <laughs> um, I, could but, t- I, I could tell you, but then I'm going to have to kill you. But anyway, go, go ahead. Sorry. So um, there are there are multiple ways to to be able to uh, prevent fraud. You know, obviously one of them are just certain inconsistencies in the, in the actual data itself. Mm-hmm. Others are electronic means to to know where where these uh, bad actors are coming from, et cetera. So we've used all of the means possible to be able to, to do that. And, and the result of that is then to be that we're still extending this, um, this assistance out. You know, had we allowed that to happen, you know, we, wouldn't have, we would have run out of money at this point in time. So it's going to the Montanans um, that we believe that, that really still need it. And, uh, and we're pr- proud of the fact that we're able to capture that and, and extend the program. So let, let, let me ask you this, uh, since, since we are, the program is winding down, eventually it's going to end, right? So what, what have you been hearing from the folks that you've been serving so far? Uh, the folks who are saying, please, please, we need this assistance to continue. What, how, how are you dealing with that? So for the customers that have received the assistance already, um, the, the feedback is overwhelmingly positive. 86% of recipients for the MIRA-1 program reported being satisfied or extremely satisfied with the program. And with the MIRA-2 program, 90% of recipients reported being satisfied or extremely satisfied. Um, and I just want to share one quote from someone we helped. And we get these sort of survey results every day. And so when I'm having a bummer day at the office, this is my, my go-to for an uplift. Um, so uh, Lorita, Montana resident, said that, The MIRA program has provided funds to get my 10-month-old daughter and myself off the streets, out of our vehicle, and off of our friends' couches, and into a home. We will be safe, comfortable, and stable. I cannot express how much we have needed this program and how relieved it feels as a mother of a child under a year old to know that we can feel some security now and not have to feel scared or unsafe at the different places we've had to go. Thank you so, so much. Our family appreciates the state of Montana and the MIRA program for helping us get back on our feet. 
That is a great place to take a quick commercial break. 721-1290 is our number. By the way, we have all of our phone lines open, and there are several of them. If you have a, a question or a comment for our guests, and these are state officials, folks. This is Scott Osterman, director of the Montana Department of Commerce, right here in our studio live, along with Cheryl Cohen, who's the division administrator for the Montana Housing Division. If you have a question or comment about this program, the MIR program, uh, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Maybe you're a recipient. Maybe it's done you some good. We'd love to hear a pat on the back as well. 721-1290 is our number. We'll be right back. Yakking too much with our guest. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Again, our guest in studio here this morning, Scott Osterman, who's director of the Montana Department of Commerce, and Cheryl Cohen, division administrator of the Montana Housing Division. All right, now. Uh, we, we've got the we've got the message that the, the the program is winding down, and you told me something that I thought was rather rather enlightening in the fact that the Biden administration is actually calling the pandemic at an end. So, do we have a date that we can look at, or what can you share about that, Scott? Yeah, they, the, and how do they know? <laughs> That's your guess is as good as mine on that one. But uh, the announcement came out that in in May, I think May eleventh, uh, officially. The, the pandemic-related uh, programs are, are going to come to an end. Okay. And so um, I, th- I think some of them, like some of the ARPA and other types of things, have certain deadlines that, that are already – the expenditures are going over some years in advance, but no new programs related to um, the pandemic will be um, continued or, or opening up uh, after that point. Go ahead, Cheryl. Um, I just want to add for families, as we know that housing is a struggle for a lot of uh, families in Missoula and throughout the state, um, that, that we do have other programs that can assist families, um, even with the wind down of the MIRA program. Um, for example, families can apply to uh, the Housing Choice Voucher Program, a Section 8 voucher, go to housing.mt.gov, mm-hmm. select rental assistance, and then Housing Choice Voucher, and folks can apply to the wait list. Um, we also administer a variety of other programs that they can check out on housing.mt.gov um, and connect with their local human resource development councils for additional assistance. Now, I know I know that you guys don't really necessarily deal with Missoula specifically. You're working on a statewide basis. But here, here in Missoula, uh, uh, if you've been watching the headlines, the, the, the rental vacancy rate in Missoula is hovering between 1.5 and less than 2% which is, has been a chronic problem for a while. Now, we're building like crazy right now. I mean, we, we've got apartments going up over by where the, uh, the, 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 the landfill is. There's, uh, there's the Trinity Project that's going up over by where the sheriff's office is. There's, all those things are going up, but they're not open yet. So uh, in, in your view, with what you're doing with, with these federal programs, is, is there a bridge there that can help people get through to when these, to when these things are actually open and available to rent? Um, there are a variety of programs out to assist people. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is a challenge, and some programs come with wait lists. Um, but again, go to housing.mt.gov. You can check out our programs or call us directly at 841-2840, and our staff can walk you through and provide best referrals for what you may need in your area. Yeah. And not just housing assistance, but do you need energy assistance or food stamps? Um, there are a lot of programs that can help people uh, get their needs met and um, stay afloat. For the last couple of years, uh, there, there's been ample federal and state and even local programs to help uh, w- through the pandemic. 
But as you mentioned, the official pandemic end date, ladies and gentlemen, is in May, according to the Biden administration. So it's time for us to stand up and start doing for ourselves. So uh, how is the state going to assist communities to be able to do just that, to be able to start providing their own uh, advice and programs and things like that. What what kind of things are you doing? Yeah, I think relative to the uh, to the housing environment, um, there's a lot of activity in the legislature right now relative to zoning laws and allowing certain types of things to be able to open up that opportunity to um, to grow our housing market. And I think that I, I look forward to to what the legislature is going to be doing because that that puts some some opportunities in the hands of both um, local officials as well as developers to be able to uh, really accelerate the, the, you know, the housing uh, supply here. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that a lot of communities, particularly smaller communities, may lack the capacity for their own planning and zoning updates. Um, so in the governor's proposed budget includes a program that would um, potentially expand the Department of Commerce Community Technical Assistance Program, mm. which provides planning grants to local communities to help them through their processes, looking at zoning and regulations and how to increase density in a smart way without having an impact on our agricultural lands, wetlands, or recreational lands. Well, this is interesting because here in Missoula, we've... Well, we have a program called City Talk and County Talk. We have city officials and county officials standing right where you are, uh, taking calls from our listeners saying, "What's what about this? What about that? One of the things they're doing right now in Missoula is a major code redo. I mean, the, the building codes had been, you know, from the 50s and 60s, are totally outdated. And now they're basically scrapping them all and starting from scratch uh, to try to make it easier for folks who want to develop land who want to be able to build houses or, or build apartment uh, complexes, that they, they won't be just waiting in line uh, trying to deal with bureaucratic snafus. So, And that, that pressure is going to continue. Montana has been discovered in a variety of different yeah. ways. And, and, uh, and, and I think we're, we're seeing the opportunity, though, with this growth to be able to have companies uh, grow and expand in Montana. And that, that allows us to have jobs and opportunity for our kids and our grandkids for so many of us that actually were born and raised here and then had to leave because there wasn't an opportunity for us, but then came back. And uh, we'd like to keep our kids and our grandkids here. So creating jobs, housing is a fundamental element of being able to do that. So we have to have enough housing for workforce and it has to be reasonably priced. And then businesses can flourish. So the existing businesses that we have in the in the state are, are – uh, really so many world-class businesses that people don't even necessarily know about. But um, we're really excited about that growth and that opportunity. I know that. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I would just add the the work that Missoula is doing to um, update their zoning ordinances. These are complicated undertakings that can take a long time. And so we just want to commend the efforts of um, folks in Missoula as well as throughout the state that are undertaking these efforts. Um, At the state level, um, Lieutenant uh, Governor uh, Juris is um, leading the Red Tape Initiative. um, And a lot of um, really promising legislation is working its way through session to help reduce barriers at the state level as well. Well, she had a press conference yesterday. I didn't have a chance to to see it, but uh, they they had – she was telling a story about how she, uh, her, her, her two young sons had to go door-to-door selling fruit. Well, they, they didn't have the, evidently in Great Falls, you have to have a specific license to go door-to-door to sell mm-hmm. fruit that you didn't grow. And so, uh, you know, bang, bang, lot, lots of red tape there as well. So 
Anyway, we're, we're up against another break. 721-1290 is our number. Phone lines are open. Uh, we're talking about the MIR program, the Montana Emergency Rental Assistance Program, which is going is in the process of, of, of being eliminated, but they are keeping up, uh, keeping the lights on as long as possible and, and helping folks for as long as the money holds out. So if you have a question or a comment, perhaps you have, have uh, benefited from this program. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. It's 721-1290. We'll be right back after this. We are back on TalkBack. It's 721-1290. That's our number, 1-800-568-5309. Or if you happen to have the KGVO app on your phone, you can hit that Message Us button. We'll be more than happy to pass the message on to our guests, uh, who are Scott Osterman, Director of Montana Department of Commerce, and Cheryl Cohen, Division Administrator of the Montana Housing Division. So as we are winding down our time together, there's all sorts of ways that your that your uh, your establishment, uh, Scott, are, are working to try to build up business in Montana with the Department of Commerce. Yeah, we uh, <clears throat> thank you, Peter. We we've had the opportunity to over the past couple of years um, really engage businesses, work with the uh, state chamber of commerce and our our local um, economic development partners. You know, for example, the. Missoula Economic Partnership here and, and others to be able to, to understand what are the types of businesses that are right kinds of businesses to bring into Montana and to, you know, for us to do that attraction so that we can set the table for you know, creating great high paying jobs, uh, but be responsible in the amount of growth that we're seeing. And uh, I think there's an opportunity for us to continue. We've moved publicly 15 companies here that have brought almost a thousand jobs uh, in the past year and a half or two years. And in that, um, we're talking some very high-level, high-skilled, uh, high-paying jobs that are in software manufacturing, um, hardware, uh, fintech, et cetera. So we're excited about the pathway that we have in front of us uh, and uh, we'll continue to work uh, to bring the right kinds of companies into Montana. If you wouldn't mind taking, taking us, uh, our, our audience, uh, our listening audience, behind the scenes in how that works. I mean, there are 50 states, right? And everybody says, we're the best. Well, uh, Montana's right in there, right? So right. How, how, how do you look at a company and, and say, okay, these are, these are folks we want to pursue to get them here? Yeah, we are in a competition, and and uh, make no mistake, it's it's about your tax uh, rate, it's about the quality of life, it's about the workforce, um, and as we've been discussing, it's about housing. And so, you have to have that platform. There are many states that, uh, especially states in the southeast, that have you know much larger populations, and and those states. Um, you know, they'll spend tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of, of dollars attracting companies. We have to attract companies based upon the merit of what is here and the stability of how, how we look at look going forward uh, in a long, from the long term. And that means our, our, we're in a top five, we're number five, I, say, I would say, in the overall tax rate from a company standpoint. Um, <clears throat> we're the number one state in the country ready to, uh, to start a new business. And so you, you look at some of these statistics that are out there, and Montana shapes up very well in spite of the fact that we don't have these millions of dollars of incentives. And all, that, all those incentives do is really they put a burden on the taxpayers back in, in order to do that. So we develop uh, our relationships on the merits of, of you know, what is here in Montana and how long-term a company can grow. And, and you know, an example of that is just an article came out in Forbes today about Hyundai and uh, their uh, ultimate mobility vehicle 
um, <clears throat> development group coming here to Montana. And uh, they saw that that was, and that happened a little over a year ago, but they saw that this was the place where they needed to be, where they had a great pipeline of educated people, um, an outdoor space to be able to test the vehicle, and uh, a willingness and a workforce and a community that wanted to support them. And now there's a satellite above spying. Oh, now I know why they're up there. <laughs> oh, we only have about three or four minutes left, folks. So let, let, let's go back to the beginning uh, of this conversation and talk about the program, the uh, Montana Emergency Rental Assistance Program. And for folks who maybe are a little bit worried that, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, uh, this is winding down. Give us, uh, give us some, that information once again, if you wouldn't mind. Certainly, Peter. So after we received information from the U.S. Department of Treasury about the amount of funding available for Montana, um, we did determine it would be prudent to put a hold on accepting new applications so we could work through um, the applications that had already been submitted. So we just want to give assurance to the folks that still have an outstanding application. We're working through those. Um, we want to make sure you get uh, funds as quickly as possible. Um, and for those that need additional assistance once Miro winds down, please go to housing.mt.gov or call us at 841-2840 and we're happy to assist. Now, does it really does it really work? I mean, when somebody goes to that website, what, what, what will what will they encounter when they click on that website? Is, is it interactive? How does it work? Um, we did do a, a website redesign several years ago to make it a lot more simple and customer focused. Um, so rather than designing the website for our internal silo business processes, we've designed it so you can easily see rental assistance. Yep, that's what I'm looking for. Housing development. Yeah, I'm a developer. That's what I'm looking for. So um, customer friendly. Uh, you can go through it and um, drop down to that rental assistance housing choice mm -hmm. voucher, and then you'll see where you can apply online to one of our Section 8 wait lists by region. Okay, give us the phone numbers again, if you wouldn't mind. Go ahead. Certainly, 406-841-2840. Uh, Excellent. Both, thank you both for being with us today. Really, really, a lot of great information and some and some hope here. Well, that's that's what you're trying to share with folks, right? Exactly, you Peter. Got thank it. you very much. You bet. It's our very great pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Peter. We're, we're going to take a quick break, come right back, and we are expecting, I understand, a call, Nick, is that right, from uh, from Ryan Zinke. Yep, right Con here in a minute or so, and then we'll get the crime report with Kirsten after that. You bet. So stay with us, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back right after this quick timeout. And we are back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number, and we are pivoting now, uh, going all the way to Washington, D.C., with uh, our Congressman Ryan Zinke. Ryan, good morning and welcome, sir. Great to be with you, Peter. Unbelievable. Pretty simple solution on the balloon. Shoot it down. <laughs> you know, you know it, it's a balloon, Peter. So it, it didn't, like, sneak up on Montana overnight. You know, we, we probably watched it through the Aleutian chain. You know, it's over Montana, and I don't buy for an instant the administration's idea that, well, we didn't shoot it down because we, we owe the chance of civilian casualties in the debris field. I guarantee you that the great folks from Roosevelt County would love to have a shot down uh, over, their, over, their, over their sky. And, but there's probably some barns out there that probably could have something in it that could shoot it down. But, you know, it, it gives a bad signal, number one. It's an embarrassment is if we can't handle a balloon, you know, how do you think that the other nations are looking at us at handling other, other problems like Taiwan? And, and this is, a, once again, a series of, of events from this administration, Afghanistan, followed by that gave the green light to Putin, and now we can't even deal with a balloon, and it's really easy. Shoot it down. 
Now, the Chinese have said, well, it's an airship, it's, it's harmless, but, and, and it has limited steering capability. Okay, well, then deflate it. And if you can't deflate it, we'll deflate it for you, and don't worry, we'll send it back to sender. Oh, I wanted to get your, your, your reaction to what uh, Governor Gianforte said. Uh, he said, quote, I received an informational briefing yesterday on the situation involving a suspected Chinese spy balloon uh, flying over Montana. Uh, from the spy balloon to the Chinese Communist Party spying on Americans through TikTok and the CCP-linked companies buying American farmland near those nuclear facilities, I'm deeply troubled by the constant stream of alarming developments for our national security. Now, as a congressman, obviously you've been there, done that, right? Well, and you look at the surveillance capabilities and the Department of Defense, you know, an official briefing, and I read through it, you know, they're saying, well, they're really not going to vacuum any more information, what they can't vacuum from the satellites. And that's probably close to truth. But what they did, though, surveil is how we responded, when we responded. Did this go from a combatant commander in the Aleutian chain to get it passed to, you know, the states? When did it go to the National Command Authority? Because it, it's been a while, and thus far we've done nothing. And, and the administration did three things. They, they blamed it on, well, this has happened in previous administrations. So they tried to blame it on Trump. And then, then you look at, well, you know, China's changed since, since Trump was in office, and now China's a real threat, so that doesn't make any sense. Secondly, well, we didn't shoot it down because of civilian casualties or the chance on the ground. That makes no sense in Roosevelt County or over the Lucian chain. And lastly, well, it really isn't a big deal because they're not going to get any more information than they have. Psychologically and, and looking at our chain of command, that doesn't make any sense either. So I'm sure we're going to ask the hard questions uh, from the Department of Defense and see when it got picked up, uh, you know, how it was dealt with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But again, I, I just think overall it's an embarrassment uh, and it's an indicator uh, of our allies that, look, if we can't handle balloon, how, how do you think we could handle, you know, something in the South Pacific Sea, you know, sea which is far more serious? So, so moving forward, this this balloon uh, is it going to come down on its own? What do you know about them? I, I, is it going to come down on its own, or is it going to be able to somehow uh, feeble its way back across the the Pacific, back home, and and download whatever it is they need to download? Well, it's on on air currents, right? So it, it kind of hangs up there. I'm not I'm not sure what the what the lifespan of that technology and their balloon is. But again, uh, if they have the capability to deflate it, they need to deflate it. Otherwise, I think we should deflate it for them. You bet. But I, you know, I, I think it's unacceptable to have a balloon hanging around, you know, the U.S. airspace, let alone Montana. Well, now, there uh, are, I, don't, I don't think it's good policy. There are folks out there, Ryan, that are saying, and I quote, "This is much ado about nothing." Uh, so, what? How, how do you feel about that that mindset? Well, ordinarily, if it was a balloon, what would happen if, if the Chinese were running? They would inform us uh, that balloon, we can't steer it, et cetera. It was a mistake, and, and then we would come to a solution. Uh, but here, again, not only the balloon, but you know how it was handled, when it was handled. So it is a, it, it is a big deal. And I don't think Montanans appreciate a Chinese communist balloon uh, heading overhead. So, uh, you know, I, and I don't appreciate it either. So I think it is a big deal in that it, it, it foretells, you know, where this administration is, priorities, uh, and, and how they react. So, you know, I, I look at it, I think it's embarrassment. 
Do I think it's it's World War Three? No, um, but this is once again, you know, inaction, constant inaction, results in consequences that that go against the interests of our of our country. Ryan, it's always a pleasure talking with you, sir. Thank you very much, and uh, we appreciate your comments this morning. Well, thank you, and God bless, and God bless all those that defend her. All right. Take care, sir. Thanks so much. All right, 721-1290 is our number. We're, we're waiting for a call from uh, Kirsten Paps, correct? Uh, she's going to call us at 940. 940. So, yeah, we, we got have... about four minutes Good. Here. So I'll tell you what. Let, let's go ahead and take our break now, and then when the break is over, Kirsten should be here, and we'll be able to not have to make her wait. So anyway, the phone lines are open. It, it, and by the way, uh, for the rest of the hour until 10 o'clock this morning, it's open phones. And we did get a handful of callers that wanted to comment while Ryan was on. I said, hey, call us back at 945. We're going to have open phones, and we can talk about it. Sounds so. good. All right, so we're going to come right back, and hopefully when we get back from the break, we'll have Kirsten Pabst and your phone calls at uh, 721-1290. This is Talkback, and it is Friday, February 3rd. And we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. It is time to get the crime report from our county attorney, uh, Kirsten Paps. Good morning, Kirsten. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Peter. We had a really, really, really busy week this week. We charged 28 new criminal complaints, which is about twice what our average is. We thought the 19 we charged last week was high, but... Um, I guess you don't ever want to get too comfortable or uh, you just never know what's coming around the corner. So we charged nine of those fall into the violent crimes or crimes against persons category. In one, a woman threatened to kill police officers and harm their families. We charged two new fairly serious stalking cases, a violation of an order of protection, and then one new allegation of sexual assault. Um, in that case, a tattooer allegedly sexually abused a client. In the endangerment category, there were four new cases, two felony DUIs, another case in which an individual jumped out of a moving vehicle causing a crash. Law enforcement suspects that drugs may have been involved. Um, and then the fourth is was a careless driving resulting in death. In that case, a distracted driver hit a wheelchair-bound pedestrian, and that person died as a result of the crash. Um, in the property crimes, there were three new theft cases. Um, one involved stolen money and prescription drugs. Another involved a flatbed truck valued at around $90,000. Lots of drug cases this week. One was a codeine scam where the defendant allegedly impersonated a doctor. Another multi-substance, polysubstance um, case involving mushroom, fentanyl, meth, lots of more Lots more meth cases, um, excuse me, a fentanyl case involving an allegation of possession of 700 pills. And then another where the defendant allegedly possessed a scheduled drug called gabapentin, which is uh, used to treat some um, things like nerve pain and epilepsy. And then finally, in the administrative category, we charged one failure to register and five fugitives from justice. Whew. Wow. And, and we didn't even start talking about trials. I know you, you, you do have trials underway, is that correct? Or be scheduled to be underway soon? You know, most of the ones for next week have settled um, through successful negotiations. And so the week after that, we're going to start looking through our list again and see what's likely to go. Excellent. Kirsten, it is always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for your hard work and to your staff. We appreciate it. 
Oh, thank you very much. Have a safe weekend. And the same to you, ma'am. Thank you. All right. So we are uh, now it's time to jump into open phones. And believe me, the phones have been lighting up. Harry has been waiting the longest. Good morning, Harry. And thank you for holding. What's on your mind? Yeah, good morning. Uh, first off, about the balloon, it is a lot of, to do about nothing. I mean, oh, a balloon, what it's going to do? Oh, no. I mean, it's, of course, Ryan Zinke, he turns it into a political thing, and they get the, the Biden derangement syndrome kicks in. Oh, it's Biden's fault. It's a terrible thing. It's the worst thing that ever happened. Now we're now we're going to be attacked by China. I mean, but uh, it's it's silly. It's If, if that was their best shot at... In, uh, surveillance then they're, they're doing pretty bad i mean like satellites you know we can see read license plates from space so if they got a, a balloon to, uh, to surveil us that's pretty sad but uh and uh, another thing on uh, yesterday uh, uh with uh my little talk with uh austin knutson uh, i noticed the first thing he says oh well the information comes from the internet well that, he sort of poo-pooed that to begin with but all information is on the internet, pretty much. I mean, if it isn't on the internet, then it's probably not really information. I mean, anything you can think of, you can find it on the internet. It's just whether the source on the internet is worth anything. And he didn't say anything about that. The Cato Institute. I think that was that's pretty well, you know, a standard uh, uh, organization, at least as far as I can see. And then he also, well, it's just the convictions. Well, what you know, it, that's a good solid indicator i mean it's if you're just going to say well there might be more well that's just pulling you know numbers out of the air this is actually you know, a good solid indication of what they've had so i mean you can you can always make things up it's it's like the people say well you know uh you know three out of four women who have raped don't uh, don't uh you know put or uh say anything about it well how do they know what happened is nobody said anything about it i mean that that's just you know uh out of the air, so it's. Hey, I, I thought his. Uh, hey, Harry, can I can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is there anybody out there that, according to you, is doing a good job? I'm just curious because I, whenever you come on, you're you're pretty rough on folks. I was wondering, are is there anybody you want to pat on the back and say, "Hey, nice job"? Oh, there are. Just you don't have a lot of money on the air, though. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> Okay, I was just curious because you know. Uh, yeah, there's, of course, there's always people doing a good job. You're doing a good job. You do a great job. Well, thank and you. Does, <laughs> Nick does a great job too. So, uh, but uh, just I mean, you know, just uh, when I, I, he, I was when, just thinking because it must be rough to, to just have all these burdens on your shoulders, you know. So, oh no, I, I anyway. just I, I just like uh, I, I'm that's my mindset. I, I pick out bad. Or I like I've said before. I. I'd rather have somebody give me a good argument and be wrong as a bad argument and be right. I mean, a bad argument, I just, it irritates me when somebody makes up a, right. a, you know, a bad argument or making a, you know, a bad point, and even though they may be right in the uh, long run, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it, it bothers me. And, I, 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 and as I say, it's my mindset. I can I pick okay. that stuff out Harry, pretty easily. So. we we got to move on, man. Thanks, right. thanks for the call. All right. I Bye. just Yeah, I just had to say that. All right. <laughs> Skip is up next. Good morning, Skip. You're on Talkback. What's on your mind, sir? Well, good morning, Peter. And um, uh, I finally found something I can agree with Harry on, and, and that is that uh, you and Nick do a great job. Well, thank you. Uh, That's very kind. So, and I, I, the today's, all the news today and all the things you covered today, and I was so happy Ryan called in and, and explained uh, his side of the balloon. Uh, but I, I've been thinking about something, and I wanted to ask you, and it came up about, I'm going to say, less than a month ago. 
And when you had Dennis Bragg on one day, right. maybe it was about a month ago. Yeah. And and he was, uh, he, and, and then you had intimated, I think, that it was possible to to do something that that even uh, Rob Nadelson thought would be important to do, and that is to somehow get John Tester to be on your program. We're working on it. Or, and I I was hoping that 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 could happen, and and probably with frequency, so that. Uh, like Harry said, maybe he'd like to, you know, compliment John Tester. But I, I think that that would be wonderful for uh, for that side of the aisle to to come on and take Let's, some heat. Let, 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 let me just say this. There is absolutely no reason or excuse why a U.S. senator who represents all of Montana would not come on a program that offers comments and takes calls from taxpayers and voters there is absolutely no reason or excuse why why not i'm sorry and and just like rob said if he can't come on a program like yours that's held in a such a respectable manner that he shouldn't even be a u.s senator i think that's about what rob said well so sir thank you for a great program and have a nice weekend thanks for the call appreciate it skip uh let's move on to Emmett. Emmett, you're back go ahead what's up buddy Oh, thanks for taking my call. Well, I hadn't called in today, you know, unless I called in while I was sleeping. That's which okay. Is interesting. But, 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 well, anyway, go I didn't call in when I was sleeping, did I? No. No, you're good. <laughs> go okay. ahead. Okay, that's good. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, um, yeah, um, Ryan Zinke stole my thunder. I wanted to call him and talk to him about that when he was done, but he stole all my thunder I was thinking about last night. He stole the whole thing. I couldn't have said it any better. The only thing I would disagree with him on is this could lead to World War III because now I'm afraid they may have technology, I mean, they may have more surveillance about our nuclear capabilities in Montana, what they are, what they're capable of, and I think they want targets, nuclear targets to hit. That's my concern. As far as Harry's point, I I, I just don't agree with it. I, I just don't agree. I mean, it's the optics. Why can't we shoot this down? They're testing us. This isn't a schoolyard fight or anything like that or a fight at work. We're talking about the security of the United States, and if we can't even shoot down a balloon, they're just going to either go ahead and invade Taiwan or they think they could invade the United States with nuclear weapons. They know we have a weak president. This is terrible. It's the optics of the whole thing, and I'm afraid... And probably they could get more better surveillance with the balloon. It's it's both. And also I wanted to also, of course, talk about Russia again. You know, they are again threatening nuclear weapons against the United States. And our president is unable to do anything or say anything. You know, during the height of the Cold War, during Reagan, Ronald Reagan's term, I always felt so safe with Reagan, even though we had a very, very vicious Cold War, because I knew... Reagan stood up to the Soviet Union. He wasn't interested in conflict resolution. And all the liberals thought he's going to get us nuked. He's going to get us nuked. It's going to be so bad. It's World War III because he's standing up to the Russians. I knew we were going to come in safe. I feel afraid about a president who doesn't even know where he is and will not stand up to the Russians and say, we're sending fighter jets. We're sending even more. You know, and if you... Go ahead. I just if you finish up because we're up against a break. Go ahead. Yeah, and if you threaten us with nuclear weapons, don't even think about it. It's mutually assured destruction. What we need as a president, all I can say is it's time for heading 
someone's probably calling in. We just really need to pray and, you know, pray about the whole situation. But if we need to go to a break, let's go to a break. All right, buddy. Thanks for the call, Emmett. Appreciate that. We have Jeff, Dave, and Larry all waiting to visit with us. It's open phones, and it's quintessential open phones. Uh, We'll be back right after this. Well, here we are. We are back, and we have uh, about seven and a half minutes to try to get six calls in. So, <laughs> seven. seven calls in. All right. Uh, Jeff, you're up. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, good morning, all. Uh, have you ever heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? The what now? I'm sorry? Dunning-Kruger? No, I have not. That's where people with low ability expertise or experience in a certain area tend to Estimate their ability or knowledge. And uh, Harry is a textbook case of that in this case. I mean, he called in, denigrated everything Ryan said um, about, about a balloon. This balloon was in our sovereign airspace, which um, Gary Powers got shot down for being on the Soviet Union's sovereign airspace. Um, he said that it, the payload was insignificant and didn't matter, and other better ways to do things. Um, nobody knows what the payload is. So uh, he couldn't even uh, answer who's responsible for protecting uh, the United States against such an incursion. And that would be Northern Command out of Colorado Springs. Um, and yes, if something violates our airspace, you've got a whole bunch of people in Cheyenne Mountain who are looking very carefully at this, trying to figure out what's going on. So to poo-poo it and denigrate it and say it's no big deal, if nothing else, as Ryan said, it's it it has a in probing our defenses. We're going to launch this. Let's see how they respond. And if we respond with weakness or and if we have weaknesses in certain areas, they'll know how to do that. If nothing else, they got a real they have a real picture of how air currents work now yep. to bring things into the United States. Jeff, Jeff, so, well, uh, we got a bunch of callers and only a few minutes, but thank you so much for sharing that. We appreciate it, sir. All right, Larry, Larry's up next. Larry, uh, good morning. Dave, Dave's up next. I'm sorry, Dave's up next. Hey, Dave, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, good morning. I wanted to ask Zinke about the new military base that we're establishing on the Philippines. That That has really upset the Chinese. That would be 200 miles from from uh, Taiwan, and and they are really upset about that. So I don't know if you could say that Biden is bending over backwards for the Chinese, because they really are upset. But uh, you wanted to find out someone I'd praise? I praise a Republican House of Representatives who came out yesterday and really tore into his fellow Republicans on developing a plan to Fix immigration. He was he's trying to work one out, and his fellow Republicans are opposing him. So that's what I have to say. All right. Thanks Thank for the you. call, Dave. Appreciate it. Uh, I and now and now it's Larry. Good morning, Larry. Thanks for holding. Go ahead, sir. Good morning. Uh, I don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to compliment you and uh, uh, Nick on your good job. And here's another opportunity to do a good job of reporting. Uh, there's a development going on with the county commissioners who voted themselves and the other elected officials a huge pay increase in this last budget, each one of them over tens of thousands of dollars for each individual elected official. And yet they cut the salary of the uh, sheriff 
and uh, they violated state law in doing that because the pay cut for the sheriff, all those uh, wages of his department underneath him are tied into his salary. That's right. So in essence, they cut all the the uh, pay of the deputies, the staff, and the Department of Corrections uh, folks out at the uh, detention center. And there's a big lawsuit, I think, that's going to be developed, and I don't know a lot well, there's about a, it. There, there's, already, there's already a lawsuit. There's already a lawsuit in another matter, but this, this could be even bigger than that. This is bigger, yeah, and it's probably double what the first uh, lawsuit was, and that was about $3 million. And yeah. the county commissioners aren't held personally responsible. They just go ahead and levy a judgment levy on the taxpayers. So the taxpayers deserve to know what's going on there, and I hope you and Nick can uh, do some reporting on that. Well, I, 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 I have had several calls in uh, to various individuals with information on this, and I'm still waiting to get those calls back. But uh, we are working on it. Don't worry. Okay, because it's, uh, it's going to be a big hit on on our tax bills. So that's, mm. and uh, it's a gross violation of state law. So You bet. Larry, bring that up. thanks for the call, man. Uh, we have time for one more call. Jamie, good morning. You're going to wrap things up for us. So we've got about a minute and a half. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Well, uh, uh, man, this falls right into what uh, the last caller was talking about. Uh, the, the county, the elected officials, uh, Primarily, the well, the uh, these guys are these guys are running pell mell over over the the citizenry uh, with no recourse and, and and apparently no ear to what anybody has to say. And the reason why I wanted to call in, we've had uh, uh, we've been trying to get a hold of the fair board for months to find out why they're bringing in these lousy bands after the rodeos, and you know they're they're not indicative to the to the to the to the people that are going to the rodeo. Last year, one 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 night last year, they had a, a Pink Floyd tribute band or something. Um, nobody nobody stayed. So what's the point? In, what's the point in the fair uh, promoting the rodeo if they're going to do? Then they're letting some arbitrary person uh, who's not an elected elected anything uh, to, to hire these bands. And you know, there's a, there's tons of local bands uh, in in Missoula. And the surrounding area that are that are absolutely fine to, to 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 play the rodeo. Why are they not using local talent and taking these guys out of Bozeman and Washington State and you know people that don't even live here that don't even pay taxes here? Why are they allowing these bands to come in and you know and charging four or five thousand dollars a band? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And they're shutting out the they're shutting out the guys that are that are local. Jamie? And it really kind of bothers me. And what really bothers me the most is, is you can't get a hold of anybody to find out what the answer Jamie, is. Jamie, we are completely out of time. Thank you. Thank you for the for the comment. Nick, what's coming up on Monday? Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Rob Nadelson from 9 to 10. All right, you guys get out there and make it a great day. Be careful this weekend. We'll see you uh, Monday morning at 6 for Montana Morning.